Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Um, it's me, Chris. I uh, hope you're doing well, keeping safe, wearing masks, because by the time you're reading this, you'll probably be able to go to the pub, which is pretty cool. Um, we're back for another podcast. Uh, this time, uh, it's not an interview with a player, but we're going to be talking about the Scotland 50 campaign being run by the SFA at the moment. We're basically there asking Scotland fans to pick their top five players of all time, um, put into a vote and find the ultimate Scotland player. Um, obviously, Leading the Line is a podcast dedicated to Scottish women's football, so um, we thought it would be a good idea to have a podcast dedicated to the Scottish women's national team. Um, I haven't done this myself, though. I'm joined, as always, by Campbell Finlayson. Campbell, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, Chris. Keeping busy as busy as you can do in this tough time for us all, so yeah, very good. Yeah, good to hear, as you say, busy as you can do at the moment. And uh, coming back once again is Glasgow City's own media mogul, uh, Callum Patterson. Callum, how are you doing? Yeah, good times, good to be here. Awesome. Yeah, so we have, um, after a bit of unclear instruction on my part, I will put my hands up and say that, we have got um, a top five each. Um, but I thought before we, we started and went into our top fives, um, we'd have a wee chat about our kind of earliest memories of the women's national team. So, Campbell, as a as a youngster of the group, do you want to kind of share your your first memory of uh, the women's national side? Um, I well, obviously I've only been sort of reporting on things the women's game myself a couple of years, so up until then there hadn't been too much I'd really seen for the women's side of things. But probably earliest memories would be just seeing games with BBC Alba most of the time um, from Fur Park. Can't remember exactly who they were against, but they certainly saw um, a few games on TV kind of thing there. So that was my, my real first memory of the Scotland Women national team. Um, then obviously bring that a bit closer. And my first game was maybe Switzerland um, in the World Cup qualifying campaign. I've been seen sort of the comeback win in Poland and then the wins over Albania and things bring us to the World Cup. So they were all good, but I'd say before that, my first memory would definitely be those games back at Fur Park before um, St Mirren became Scotland's home from home. Yeah, I remember some of those games for Park. I think there was a was a ten one ten nil against the Faroe Islands, um, and I remember a game against Sweden as well, where I think we had to get a result and Sweden beat us. But at that time, Sweden were even better than they are now, and they're still very good. Um, what about you, Callum? What's your kind of earliest Scotland national team memory? Yeah, it was a it's a good question because I was trying to hard back, and I mean I make no secret that probably. You know, I didn't know an awful lot about the women's game before I kind of started at Glasgow City. Um, you could see bits and pieces on the news and whatnot, but I do remember before being involved with Glasgow City in 2013 and um, in the game that I think the first real qualifiers were prominent on, you know, on BBC Alba and stuff. I know Alba have done stuff for since like 2008, but I remember it was the qualifiers for Euro 2013. And I think they showed pretty much all the certainly the home games. I remember, unfortunately, there wasn't a great game. I think five 0 lost to to France at Tynecastle. Um, but that kind of built on towards the the playoff at Hamden, which obviously was a bit of a heartbreaker against Spain. Um, so I think that that qualifying run was the, probably the first time when I've sat there and watched you know a set an, a big amount of of Scotland women's games in a row. And, and seen a bit and perhaps that it kind of helped you know fuel interest and, and that's the game more than you know the odd news story which was far more sparse back then yeah i think it was um you mentioned the news stories being sparse i think something i've found as i've been looking back to try and get some players that i remember playing and get some more info on them um for me it was that campaign as well actually Callum, being the, the old dad of the group um i my first I actually was talking about this um 
after I did the record with uh, Christy Murray a, a couple of months ago now, and she was kind of asking what was when was my first game, and I, I hadn't really thought about it to be honest. With you. It's a question I get asked a lot, uh, but I, I managed to pin it back down to the Israel qualifier at Tynecastle um, from that same campaign. Um, Scotland went eight 0 total cantered it. Um, I had been working in the morning in a call centre doing overtime uh, in Glasgow with a absolute stinker of a hangover. And as I often do, even now, is when I have a hangover, I think I'll go to a game of football. So I got the train through from Glasgow to Edinburgh, uh, Tynecastle. Uh, as I said, it's pretty banging day. I think it rained pretty much non-stop. Um, Scotland won eight now, but the, the the abiding memory is that from that game, there was about 50, 50 to hundred odd uh, pro-Palestine protesters in the stand. So it was a it was a weird one. You had like a, the, obviously the vast majority there to watch the football. Um, but you had this kind of group who were very much there for political reasons. Um, I spent a lot of the time uh, heckling the Israel players. It was a very weird introduction to the women's national team, I think it's fair to say, in that live environment, uh, just having a whole load of Palestinian flags and people not really watching the game and just kind of shouting at you for watching the game. It was strange. Um, but because it was so strange, it lasts quite a long time in the memory. So I think it's one that will... That'll last for for a while. Um, but yeah, we've we've all been involved in obviously Scotland a lot in even more recent years. Um, uh, just because of um, play the the recent profile of women's game, which is lovely. Uh, we are big fans and advocates of women's game, so we are massively into that. And with that in mind, we are going to get into our top fives. We have picked the top five each. Um, we are going to count them down five to one, uh, and we will start at number five. And I am going to give. Callum, the honour of telling us what's your number five, first of all. I'll tell you what, see if we just give us names and then we can decide how we're going to talk about it. Let's do it like that. Okay, so my number five is Aaron Cuthbert. Okay, okay. And uh, Campbell, what have you got for number five? Uh, number five is Caroline Weir. Cool. Right, I have Aaron Cuthbert, but if I had six, I would have had Caroline Weir at number six. So let's start with Caroline Weir, Campbell. Um, well, why, why did she make it into a number five spot for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm um, saying still at that young age where I've not been watching football maybe as long as some of the folk like you two. So, um, yeah, in the time I've watched Scotland, I mean, Caroline Weir's always been a player that I've really enjoyed watching. She's obviously been at that high level um, at the Premier League down south for Liverpool, Man City, and she's not always very good on the ball, but some of the goals she scores as well, like we saw the one um, for Man City that he had against Manchester United this season, obviously had one. Um, in the Jamaica World Cup warm-up game was a cracker there and just say she's still obviously quite young in terms of football in terms so she's still got years ahead of her as well and I think it's a player that we've maybe not seen her best yet but you can definitely see that there's a player there and one that will be crucial to Scotland um, in the years to come as well as currently at the minute. Um, yeah, she's a. Uh, as I said, I would have had her had her in at six if we were doing a top six, but we weren't. We were doing a top five, um, and I think for a lot of the reasons you said just now, especially maybe the last twelve to eighteen months, Calm. I don't know about you, but she seems to really be coming to the fore. Um, Campbell mentioned obviously that goal she scored, which I think was voted WSL goal of the season um, for the season as well in the Manchester derby, but in Scotland. And the Scotland Royal Blue, let's do some cliches while we're doing this, eh? Um, she's definitely come to the fore, I thought. Um, she obviously was the scorer of the goal when we won our first game at the World Cup, uh, not the World Cup, but the Euros in 2017, uh, when we beat Spain 1-0. Um, I just, I think she's a joy to watch, Callum. What's what's your thoughts on Caroline? Yeah, I think I think we're maybe seeing her best now in a Scotland jersey because 
I think she's done quite well when she was at Austin, the Liverpool team that done well um, in the middle of the last decade and you know has done well domestically down, down south but perhaps didn't shine out, spark out. Maybe the change of Scotland management helped with that. I know she was um, probably in the Euros um, first of all but that kind of last three, three and a half years I think in a, in a national team jersey she's kind of came up with big moments um, and is now quite a, an important player for the, for the national team and she's kind of now one of the kind of uh, uh, veterans is not the right word but kind of one of the most linchpin kind of players and there are a few of them and when two or three retire after the, the Euros then she's one that's you know one of those that's helped take on the mantle of it so um, yeah definitely the last two or three years she's been uh, she's been excellent for Scotland I, uh, I think you can make a case that she's been the best Scotland player of the last 12 months at least um, I think when uh, we did, I did a bit of a collaboration with the Tartan Scarf, we were obviously very pro Scotland, and I think I ended up plumping for her as my choice in terms of the, the kind of best Scot of the year. But yeah, um, she didn't quite make the top five though, because I think, as Calm says, I think her time is just about to come in terms of her significance uh, to the Scotland setup. Uh, Callum, you had, me and you both had Erin Cuthbert. Um, do you want to take it away first of all? Why you've got Erin at five? Yeah, um, well, and your number six point, if we were doing a top six, I think everyone else in the national team ever would be number six because it was so hard to pick a top five. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, you're talking about, well, the time is maybe coming now for um, Caroline Weir. I mean, Ellen Cuthbert, you can argue, is the same. And I wrestled with, should we be putting Ellen Cuthbert in our top five um, because she is still so young and guaranteed in our top fives in five, seven years' time, she'll be probably at least in the top three could well be number one but I just feel like that it's not as well as our, our excellent skills as a footballer and, and you know I talked about it in the, the pod with you guys um, a month or two back when we were in the AZ you know the story of seeing her at you know Rangers when she was 13 or whatever scoring youth cup finals and then you know playing first team football at 14 and and the story goes on from there um uh, you know, even when she was younger than that, playing with boys, she basically learned her kind of scrappy nature and, and, and attributes as well as her kind of skills she got um, from, from that young age. So um, as a footballer, she's she's fantastic and particularly, and it's something she said she's actually in a, in a group um, call with our academy players at Glasgow City in um, the last couple of weeks and she talked about how, you know, at Chelsea, she's kind of playing a wee bit out of the wing at the moment. She's playing kind of a false nine, false ten, sometimes playing through the middle, particularly Scotland, being playing through the middle. Um, she's kind of learning new positions and thriving on about it. So in a footballing sense, there's that. Um, and also, as aside from that, um, you know, Kim Little, which who knows, she may well crop up uh, later on in the conversation, was kind of like the Scotland kind of big player, the kind of poster player for someone that was an excellent football player, role model and the likes, maybe, you know, with the last seven, eight years. Maybe it's a shame that, you know, the, I, there wasn't as many eyeballs eight years ago when she was, you know, playing for Team GP and stuff like that. Whereas Ern Cuthbert is going to be, I think, you know, I'm talking about being the new Kim Little in terms of being that kind of poster figure of someone talented and, 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 and the kind of player she is wearing a Scotland jersey. And I think she will be that kind of player for the next 10 years as a role model and things like that. She is going to be at the forefront. Um, so there's that side to it as well that, you know, I, I don't use markability and, and kind of that kind of thing, but because um, she's you know such a good player and still young, she's going to be at the forefront of of, every, of everything in terms of coverage and growth of the game for girls um, in the coming you know years. 
No, I, I think that's a, a fair point. It's something I, I put down as well, that she ha- has that that it factor that draws not only young girls and fans of women's football, but also those outside the women's game um, to watch kind of Scotland and, and Chelsea. And I think you've mentioned the, the, the kind of change in positions that she's been going through at Chelsea. And one of the things I noticed, um, I did a little bit of a deep dive uh, on Erin's season with Chelsea. And one of the things I noticed is in the big games, Emma Hayes deploys her as a kind of, a runner and tracker. She doesn't do as much of the, the attacking stuff. She does a lot more leg work. So if you look at her heat maps from those games, she's actually doing a lot more down the flanks or if she's, as you say, playing maybe a little bit deeper in the midfield. And I think that just shows um, the nuance in, in her ability, that the fact that she can be this creative spark of one minute and then this kind of dogged, tenacious um, kind of runner the next. Um, I, I'm with you. I kind of hummed and hawed about putting her in. She's only had 34 caps and she's the only one I've got down that has less, less than 100 um, she scored 12 goals in that time and in that time she scored Scotland's first goal in a major Euros so we talked about Helen just getting the goal in the win against um, Spain but Erin Cuthbert scored the first goal uh, against Portugal uh, when she was 19 she also scored that absolute world day against Jamaica that won the goal of the year in 2019 and that, that game and that image I think is perhaps almost if not more iconic, is equally iconic as actually Scotland being at the World Cup uh, uh, that year in that respect, Campbell. Um, and she also had a key part to play in the qualifications, scoring the two goals against Belarus um, at home when we were struggling a little bit uh, to beat them 2-1. Uh, but you're right, she's got kind of markability and she's got this kind of mix of creative spark and tenacious engine. I mean, Campbell, you didn't have her in your top five, but I'm guessing she would have been pretty close. Yeah, I mean, it was between the two, obviously, as you're mentioning, we've all kind of said the burning around that kind of five and six side, and it was just the fact she was younger was all that put me, it just kept her and kept Caroline ahead of her, sorry. But, I mean, obviously, as you're saying, you can see it, Chelsea, even at the young age, is a, a big player for them, and obviously for Scotland as well. She seems to be sort of not the focal point as such, but she's definitely where we look to go and create things when we're attacking as well. And obviously, as you're saying, some of the goals she scored, scored that at the World Cup, scored that at the Euro, she scored on the big stage, and is definitely going to be. A great player in all these years to come, so it was it was a hard choice in keeping them. And as you're saying, it's just a case of knowing who to put in at five rather than the non-existent six spot. But yeah, she's a very good player, obviously as we're saying, and hopefully can continue that for Scotland for years to come. Here, here, I think we all say that. Um, also, just as a wee aside, she did like a thing where she dressed up as a, a granny. I cannot yeah. remember the name. Yes, that's uh, at it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, for Chelsea, um, and she made Mason Mount look like a wee laddie, which was quite good. I quite enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, go watch that if you can find the clip for that. But let's move on to number four. Um, so number four, uh, I think I know we've all got the same one for number four, but I'll just double check. So Campbell, who have you got for number four? Um, Rachel Corsi. And Callum, who have you got? Yeah, Rachel Corsi. Yeah, and I've got Rachel Corsi too. It's almost like I knew in advance that that was going to happen, which is awesome. Um, Rachel Corsi, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll let Campbell start this one. So, Callum, do you want to start with why you've got Rachel Corsi in at number four? Um, for number four, Rachel Corsi, I think um, there's a lot that kind of, you know, there's not much really we need to say about her in terms of her leadership. Or, or, you know, she's got a lot of mental strength about her. She's uh, been at the forefront of the game, you know, domestically for, for years, whether it be in Scotland or down south, she's done it in America. It's it's be a different challenge at time. She's been superb. Um, you know, she's a strong defender. Um, technically brilliant. You know, she she always scores from corners, which she certainly did when she was at Glasgow City. She did so uh, down south. Um, always kind of pops up a header. Or she used to score some where her 
our peg as well, quite well. Um, but you know, a, a bit like uncover it. There's two sides to uncover it. You know, the football side and kind of you know the kind of X factor and couple of Rachel Corsi. You're talking about the football side, and then you're talking about the kind of the leadership side, and, and that's perhaps something she got ingrained into when she was at Glasgow City because she was made captain and kind of took that spirit that the City have, um, you know, through the, the their squads and has taken that on, um, where she's went on to in her um, club career and also um, as as Scotland captain. Yeah, she's talked about it quite a lot. Um, she's also got a podcast with Leanne Crichton just now, Behind the Goals. Go have a listen to that. It's really good. Um, she speaks to they speak to lots of current Scotland internationals, which is poignant considering what we're talking about now. But she she's talked about it quite a lot in the past about uh, growing up in, a, in the north of the country, maybe where there wasn't that that hive of activity for women's football like there is in the central belt where we are all all based. Um, and she talked about like kind of coming into the national setup and how she kind of struggled to fit in a little bit and she had to kind of work her way into it. I think that that kind of, those kind of early struggles have certainly helped. At this stage now, where she is obviously the first female to lead Scotland to a Women's World Cup, um, that, that's something that can't get taken away. And um, you've got to believe that when she was selected as captain to take over from Gemma Faye, who may come up or may not in the next few few, uh, few picks, um, there was a reason for that, and that was to do with her leadership. Um, one of the other things, as you obviously mentioned, uh, her kind of playing career, she is currently playing in the States for Utah Royals, uh, who are playing in the NWSL Challenge Cup, which is on at the moment. Um, but she had a partnership with Becky Sauerbrown, USA International. Becky Sauerbrown's then moved on. And one of the things I've noticed uh, with the Utah Royals is that she is playing the central pivot in their back three now. So that experience that she has got coming through at Glasgow City, as you say, playing in the States, uh, playing down south, it seems to be now really manifesting itself. And she just, she has a presence, Campbell, I think is probably the best way to describe it, in terms of you kind of you can spot Rachel Corsi on a pitch quite easily, even without the captain's armband on. Yeah, she's sort of is quite a prominent figure, as you're saying, in defence, obviously, at Utah and for Scotland. And Scottish side does have very good defenders, but she's always sort of the focal point of Scotland's defence kind of thing. And it, it, she's, she's a player that, as an attacking player, you wouldn't want to go up against, really. So, I mean, she was quite an easy pick for us all. Obviously, we've all kind of put her in there. And I think she's the same for Shirley Kier. She will be one of the first names on the team sheet. And the fact now that at club level, as you're saying, we are... With Becky Sabrin, obviously she had another world-class partner alongside her, but with her away, she's now having to sort of take that step up again to take control, and it's it says a lot about her that she can do that there. And obviously she's the captain of the Scotland side as well, so she's definitely a player that you're not no one's going to want to um, go up against on the pitch and then off the pitch as well. Obviously the things you've mentioned is another one of these players that's going to be helping sort of um, a lot more young girls um, want to like, go on and play football when they're older as well. So it's just an all-round good egg, to put it, I think, and is obviously one of the best defenders Scotland have ever had. There you go. You've been hanging about with me too much, hitting out with the all-round good egg part of Campbell. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I think you're right. And one other thing before we move on to our number threes is she is also a big advocate, advocate, not a dick advocate, advocate, um, which is, you know, fitting, um, big advocate for the fact that Scotland shouldn't be seen as plucky little Scotland, that we should be positioning ourselves as one of the best sides in Europe at the moment, which is what we are. And that's something that rips my knitting that we don't do that enough. Um, and I think it's a consequence of our men's side and how they haven't been doing that great over, over recent times. So, yeah, I think that's another reason why, yeah, for me, she, she goes in. I think she's uh, definitely got the role model. She, she's the leadership that has led Scotland over the last last kind of boom years, let's be fair, the boom years. Um, 
Okay, from four to three, um, I have got Ifidieke, um, uh, who has got over 100 caps. Um, Callum, who have you got at number three? I have Joel at number three. And Campbell, who have you got? Um, I've went for Jim Murphy. Okay, well, let's let's try and do this in a positional sense. So I, I, I'll start with Ifidieke. Um, I think she's probably one of the names that kind of goes under the radar. Um, for a couple of reasons, she's never played in Scotland. Um, she could have played for the USA. She could have played for Nigeria. She could have played in Scotland. And to be honest with you, she could have played for all three, and include the USA in that. Um, she picked Scotland. Um, has over 100 caps. And I, the reason why I've put her in ahead of Rachel Corsi as well, because this was this was the other debate I had ahead, is whether I put Rachel Corsi above or below her, is because that kind of spell between the maybe like 2012 to 2017. Ifidieke was the one bringing on Rachel Corsi and Jen Beattie. She was like the, the constant. Um, she was also really highly rated by by her peers and coaches. Um, she was one of two players to make the Olympic GB squad. Uh, Kim Little Allen, I think we've mentioned already. Um, I, I was reading something where Hope Hill said that she was just like this fantastic one-on-one defender. And maybe this is because I'm a little bit older than you two, but I, I remember kind of watching her like play for Scotland. And two things always struck me was one, her positional sense in that. She always seemed to be in that gap where nobody else was in terms of the defending space and her recovery tackling. Um, I remember her making a couple of great tackles. Um, she obviously went to the Euros as well as part of the 2017 squad. Um, maybe it wasn't the best tournament. She was carrying a bit of an injury, um, which maybe didn't didn't mean she could flourish as much as she wanted to. But I think she's still playing. Um, I think the last time I checked, she was still in Cyprus. Um, she's not very active on social media and stuff like that. Um, but I'm pretty sure she's still kind of kicking the ball at, at Cyprus. Um, Campbell, I know you've mentioned before you're a bit younger than us. Is FEDAK a, a player that you kind of know about in terms of your winder con- consciousness? I'm assuming you do, but did you ever get a chance to see her play at all? Just sort of, um, you know, 2017, yeah, she kind of come to the end of her international career, really, was sort of the last kind of time. Again, um, as you're saying, she has a player that goes under the radar, and obviously, we have sort of been in the women's game. We we'll maybe know her a bit more than other players would, but. I mean, defensively is not always a position that stands out, but again, was one of the solo winners, you're saying, it sort of helped the likes of Rachel Corsi get to the level where they are now, so maybe don't know as much about her as perhaps you do, but I think she was certainly a defender that did stand out um, for Scotland in terms of trying to keep sides apart, and obviously you look at who we had in that tournament, and even before it wasn't easy, but yeah, she was definitely a good centre-half, and I can see why she's made it into your um, third position. Um, let's let's talk about your third position, uh, and you've gone for Gemma Faye. Do you want to explain why you picked her into position three? Um, well, for going for five, I kind of put it as a sort of a five-a-side team is what I picked out for. So Gemma Faye was the goalkeeper. Ended up going with her, and it's goalkeepers a position with Scotland again. I've had some great players, but just the fact I mean she kept all the clean sheets and what have you. Sorry, um, was obviously the top as it has the most caps for um, Scotland with two hundred and three. Was named the cap as well, made a debut at just 16, and she was the sort of the goalkeeping position I went for there, quote given by how you described it onto the pod, Dan. So, yeah, Gemma Faye was obviously a, a, another Scotland player that, even if you weren't sort of a big follower of the women's game, you would still know the name and now in the media and things as well. But I say most caps ever, I mean, when you're making your debut at that age, you can't, you're not going to make your debut at that age if you're not a good player, and Gemma certainly was a very good goalkeeper and a good servant to the Scottish national side before she retired. Yeah, I mean, most caps Scottish player ever. 203 caps, you can't really argue about that, uh, Callum, in that respect. She obviously had time at Glasgow City as well. Uh, Gemma Faye, 
Um, didn't make her out of our two top fives, but she was still. I mean, when you look at this, if you look at the options that we had for goalkeeper, I think it's an interesting one because of her longevity. She almost stood out on her own because of that that time she spent between goal. Yeah, I think that that was, you know, it was a tough one because you know you Jennifer that was number one for you know vast amount of you know since millennium really and since the early two thousands kind of onwards. Um, and it's been recent years when Jennifer's kind of retired where you've kind of seen you know Leah Alexander you know Leah Alexander you know could well become you know a keeper you know or probably you know as good as Jennifer maybe some people say better than Jennifer it's both in their prime at the same time. Um, and you know Lee Alexander, I think could fit in the top five, um, you know as well at some point. Um, if you you know there's so many choices, um, in terms of who could be a top five goalkeeper is probably a bit more limited. Um, you've been other goalkeepers that have been kind of supporting acts for so many years that there's not too many I can think of that were you know some that have got caps and I think you know deserve their caps but probably weren't number one um, material. So. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a shout for you know certainly Gemma, certainly you know Ali Alexander. Um, you know there has been we're quite blessed that now we've we're actually got a new wave of, of goalkeepers as well underneath Lee Alexander. So that's it's a position that, you know in years to come when we're making top fives and 10, 20, 30 years time we could well be having you know a goalkeeper or two in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, me and Cam had a wee conversation just before uh, Campbell came on, and I suggested that. I'm nearly putting Lee Alexander just for the controversy of it, of saying that a player that's maybe only got 26 caps, I think it is, off my head, um, kind of getting her in this list. But I think that she has had a couple of, speaking about Lee Alexander, I think she's had a couple of kind of standout performances for Scotland. The one uh, against Poland uh, in the qualifiers uh, where Scotland won 3 0, but three goals came late after after sending off a Poland, and she saved a penalty before that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think Gemma Faye, absolutely a solid shout in that top five. Can't really argue with that. And moving on to your number three, Callum, we have not the most capped Scotland player ever, but the most capped Scotland outfielder ever in Joe Love. Um, do you want to share a little bit about why you picked her number three? Yeah, I mean, so many players. I think, you know, one or two other midfielders kind of have got in all the top fives, but you know, you've got... I know it's you got Haley Lauder there. You got you know kind of talk with Caroline Meir, um, you know other players, Fiona Brown potentially in the future. He's had one or two injury issues, of course. Um, let's just name a few kind of more recent ones. Um, others in the past as well. Uh, but Joe loves against longevity as well. You know, she's a utterly fantastic player, and um, you know she had over a hundred caps by the time she was like twenty three years old. Um, you know. And, you know, it's made almost double that now um, for Scotland. And it's a fact that she's another one that's kind of, as the years have went on, um, and she's still not that old either, um, still in the early phase of her 30s, you'd say, that she's kind of developed, you know, different positions at club and and she kind of played a bit of, you know, two or three different positions, um, you know, being kind of more attacking-minded centre midfield. She's kind of dipped back into being more of a holding midfielder now and even playing quite a bit of centre-half at times. Uh, particularly for club, um, but she's always had that wand of a, a boot as well to score some fabulous goals for club and country. Um, a, a real natural uh, ping there. Um, so just a silky player at times, but then at the other side as well it has that aggressive kind of nature as well um, to break up the middle of the park and um, no, just a wonderful footballer um, and, and feel deserving of being one of um, Scotland's best five players. 
Yes, it's uh, the longevity, I think, that needs recognising. I think I think for me, Campbell, I'm interested to get your take on this one as well. Callum, obviously, has seen Joe play for a long time in close quarters with Glasgow City. We have to dash about quite a lot because there's not many of us covering the women's game in Scotland just now. Um, but do you think Joe Love may be one of these players that definitely goes underneath the radar, especially when you consider she's been capped 191 times and people talk about Scotland and maybe she doesn't necessarily get the kudos who maybe she deserves? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Scotland and midfield were very, very, very strong, and obviously we could probably easily pick five players all from midfield each. So when you mention the likes of Kim Little and players like that, that obviously they maybe played at a higher level that perhaps stand out, you think. But then Joe Love, obviously, we've seen her at Glasgow City and um, not just at club level, obviously for international side as well. She's certainly a player that goes around and just does the business, isn't so one of these players that you think stands out and goes and wins a game on her own but does the sort of jobs that allow the players around her to go and play and create things. So, I mean, yeah, she's obviously, as you're saying, 191 caps, you're not going to get that if you're not a good player. It's captain Glasgow City. I've seen her in Europe as well, obviously scoring that winning penalty against Bronby, I think it was. So she's, she's definitely a player that has got that experience and knows what, what it takes to win a game of football. And it's, again, for Callum, it's a pity he's seen, it, seen her every week, sorry, for um, Glasgow City. And it's a player that you wouldn't, wouldn't say any, it wouldn't have any argument, sorry, with being in anyone's top five. Certainly a good player that perhaps was under the radar, but as, as I say, it's for doing sort of the jobs that allow other people to stand out that wee bit more. Yeah, I mean, she, I think she scored a hat trick against North Macedonia. I remember that. Well, they would have been called Macedonia at the time, but they're now North Macedonia. We won't get into Baltic politics just now. But um, yeah, um, and I think as well that she's one of a, a small group of players that have played at both the Euros and the World Cup at the moment. and that certainly carries some kudos as well. So, yeah, absolutely solid shout. So, number three, we all had different picks, but all very much very merited. Uh, let's move to two. Um, I tell you what, let's move to two and one, because I'm pretty sure we all have the same two and one. So, let's get number two from you, Callum. My number two is Kim Little. And who have you got at number two, uh, Campbell? Kim Little also. Okay, well, I've got Julie Fleeting at number two. Um, and I've got Kim Little at number one. Does that mean that you have both got Julie Fleeton at number one? Yes, it does. It does. Okay, well, let's talk about Kim Little first. Um, I put Kim Little at number one. And I uh, I have been known to be a mark at times for certain players. Um, and I think something that I have realised over the last couple of years is that Kim Little is another player that we should shout about a lot more. She's 137 caps. 59 goals in that time um, and when I was kind of really looking into her career and I'll probably write about this for the website if I'm being honest the more I kind of looked into it but she's had some really key moments throughout her career not just kind of in recent times so uh, Callum you mentioned the, the Spain playoff um, earlier on she scored on both legs at that playoff now unfortunately Spain scored in the last minute and kind of ruined things for everybody but she did score on both legs of that playoff. Um, she started to come back away to Poland uh, when we were 2-0 down in Scotland, won 3-2 uh, with about 12 minutes to go. It was how it started that. And actually in that final run into the qualifying the World Cup, she scored against Switzerland and she scored against Albania. Um, you can even look a little bit further back and kind of look at the Brazil game where Scotland beat Brazil 1-0. It was how that scored the goal. And even if you want to talk about the World Cup and that Argentina game, which we all hate talking about, but we have to talk about sometimes, she was a catalyst for that kind of first half hour where we seemed to be set to kind of blow Argentina away. And even then, in the kind of bounce-back game against Cyprus, um, five goals, and 
she and I think Scotland in general played fantastically that evening and yes you can say the opposition were not very good which is a fact um, but the way that they dominated and Kimlet was pivotal with that she just she's just an excellent footballer I can't I can't really describe it any I could like be uh, very loquacious in terms of how I describe it but she's just an excellent footballer her movement in and around the box you can see it I've seen it a couple of times with Arsenal um, a couple of games from the season just past um, away to Manchester United it was kind of hard to unpick that lock um, where they win 1-0 in their kind of 89th minute and the goal she scored against Tottenham uh, in the North London derby at the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where she just kind of slammed her way through the fence and the edge of the box before kind of putting one in the box uh, putting one in the corner um, she just an I love watching Kim Little play because she's just so good. And I think we're really fortunate to have this next tranche of players like Caroline Weir and Erin Cuthbert and even like people like Hillier Emsley as well. And the next batch are coming underneath that, coming forward, because if we didn't, I think we would miss her so much. Um, what's what's your thoughts on Kim, uh, Callum? Yeah, I think uh, I kind of touched on it earlier that she's kind of, she was the first trailblazer for being you know, a, a big player for, for Scotland um, about the kind of Cup right now. I kind of feel a bit sorry for Kim Little because I think talk about her being a little bit behind under the radar uh, now and I think um, obviously she was quite explosive the first few years you know, at club and, and obviously at country and she won awards and, and things like that um, but you know at Euro 2017 um, she'd done her um, crochet ligament so missed that um, you know then came back and, and kind of showed her, her, herself again in the, in the big stage at the World Cup, as, as he touched on. Um, but, I mean, it's easy to forget how big a player she was for, for a club as well as Scotland. Um, and you highlight that Spain playoff, how, how pivotal she was. Okay, Scotland didn't win that. But there was there were a lot of very good Scotland players, and a lot of those very good Scotland players are still in that Scotland squad. But there probably wasn't a depth. But Kim Little was, you know, head and shoulders, or, or looking like the players going to be head and shoulders, you know, the star player, um, and you know, maybe people didn't see that as much because of the less lesser coverage. Um, I know she was in the GB team um, in 2012, which, you know, I think maybe maybe with a slight Scottish two eyes on, we kind of think, well, I don't think the Scottish players got. I don't think there's enough of them in that squad, even though they're probably, you know, fair enough, they're going to be bulk of an English team that probably didn't, you know get a true worth um, you know or the Scottish would didn't get the true kind of showcase at the Olympics in 2012 but um, yeah so you know a wonderful player and you know at least she's now kind of back, back to kind of player she was when you know at a world stage in that World Cup um, last year um, but we shouldn't forget you know what she did for the game and for Scotland you know at the start and throughout the, the whole decade she also has been in the team no, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the World Cup. I don't know. I don't know about you, Campbell, but I think the World Cup maybe wasn't her brightest moment. I think the Argentina game was with the Picados. Um, I felt like maybe she kind of got dragged a little bit deep um, at the tournament. But uh, I thought that uh, in general, that, that yeah, that Argentina game was a, a kind of pinpoint. And I thought, as I mentioned, the performance against Cyprus um, almost was kind of something. It was a bit of a palate cleanser for Scotland. I don't, uh, Campbell. I don't know what you thought about it in terms of. We had that kind of annoying, oh, that thing in Paris happened, um, and that that kind of acted as a palate cleanser going forward. Um, what's what's your thoughts on Kim? Yeah, I mean, I think that game you're talking about there first was sort of for the perfect game to come back into for the first game back after the World Cup. Obviously, just kind of a comfortable win and one that 
which could set them up for going forward to kind of put the disappointment in the World Cup behind them. But in terms of Kim herself, I think, yes, definitely a very technically gifted player, as you're saying. Like, she is just a joy to watch. She's on the ball. That goal you mentioned against Tottenham, obviously, for Arsenal. was a prime example. Of that. She's the captain for them there. And for a player that isn't perhaps, like, it's not exactly what you'd say is an attacking midfielder constantly, but to get 59 goals in 137 games for Scotland is, is very good as well. And a player that has received plaudits sort of from all over, and as you're saying, the issue which pops up in the big games as well, it's not as if she's just sort of only there against smaller teams. She controls a lot of games at all levels against everyone, and when you're picking up with these big moments, it makes you stand out as well. And Callum sort of mentions there, and both you mentioned sort of a bit sort of one of these players again, it's almost like a poster player for some yeah, young girls and things like that. And um, coming with Rachel Corsi, obviously the two of them from up Aberdeen, as we say, it was tough when they were coming through. Obviously now you're getting like Aberdeen have got their women's team um, in the SWPL too. And it's it's more accessible for players playing up there. But when they were coming through, there was sort of less opportunities than having to play in boys teams and things like that. So to see them come through and being obviously the vice captain at Scotland as well, it really shows just how good a player Kim Little is. And is one that we have been very lucky to have and very lucky to watch um, for Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, um, cross crossing fingers, um, that we make it to the Euros and she gets another tournament run. Maybe she make it to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but the other one I mentioned, I had it at number two, but you both had it at number one, is Julie Fleeting. Uh, Callum, Julie Fleeting, I mean, 121 caps, 116 goals. That's a headline, but give us a little bit more in terms of why you got her at number one. Yeah, I think the goals thing, you know, incredible goal ratio and it's one of those things again you can't help time you can't help you know what happens with time but like my god Julie Fleet and this current Scotland team she would have an absolute field day I think um, and perhaps a bit more old fashioned because you know she was a player you know in the box you know it's kind of one of those kind of forwards um, I guess a fox in the box type but you know her hold up play she did have some great skill as well um, and you know the match success she had down south, certainly at Arsenal, um, you know was was fantastic. And you know as as an example, um, obviously seen Julie Fleet on the telly quite a lot, and um, I've never seen her in person in a Scotland jersey playing. She'd finished by the time I seen Scotland in person, but it said a lot. Um, the Julie Fleeting came back up to Scotland after being down south. I think she was at Bristol City, I think, and. She came to Glasgow City for 2015, 2016. Didn't play much at all till about September in 2015. She just, I think, came back from from giving, from having a kid. Um, but she had loads of niggling issues um, towards the end of her career. I think she played about eight games um, that season and, and scored at least a goal a game. I think she finished off um, that season, I think, with nine or ten goals. And then 2016, again, she was in and out. But particularly in the middle part of that season, she scored a couple of goals against Hibs. Um, and, and a big game at Alban Park and, and, and effectively probably put the league past um, Hibs that, in August that year but she played other side that summer break played probably again about maybe 10 games from the course of that season but in her, she probably played in total maybe 15 to 18 games with Alban City scored 21 goals in, in, that, in that period and chose anywhere near the fully fit you know, peak player Julian Clayton was 10 years previously um, but still outstanding, you know, absolutely outstanding and at SWPL level at the time. Um, and, you know, when you see her, even, you know, I see her more probably in the TV towards the end of her Scotland career, um, you know, she was still putting in the goals of the way. And it says a lot, you know, a, a quality player. Um, and 
And I think that showed that even at, towards the end of her club career with injury issues, she'd still banging the way um, in Scotland. So, um, I, I, without doubt, you know, she is a, an all-time, you know, Scotland great. And uh, again, with the time as, as went on, a shame that not many people have seen, you know, the, the first, you know, probably two-thirds of her career. Yeah, I mean, she's one of only two women in the, the Scotland Hall of Fame. The other one, Rose Riley, who isn't in the top Scotland top 50 considerations, which is why we haven't talked about her. Just in case you're wondering about Rose Riley, um, I had to be looking at the list before we started organising this podcast and she wasn't there because of the kind of abstract nature of Scotland at that time in terms of international football. Uh, but yeah, so she's one of the only two female members of the, the Scotland uh, International Hall of Fame. Um, Campbell, why, why have you got uh, Julian as your number one? I mean, obviously we're saying there the, the goal record kind of stands out for itself with 116, 121. But I mean, she was at 100 goals before she was at 100 caps, which is just quite insane. Obviously, um, she made her debut at 15, which again is sort of unheard of. And is, I mean, first got as well to play in America too. So there's there's just so many things that you look at Julia as one of these players, as Callum says, in the current Scotland team. She would certainly have a field day and score, would have scored goodness knows how many goals. So it's she was just another no-brainer, really. You look at it and the record speaks for itself. There's not much you really can say when you're seeing um, Carl mentions again, obviously, that coming back to Glasgow City, where even when you're sort of injured coming back from parenthood and things like that, to still be producing games, even though you're not playing regularly, just shows the class you had. And was just sort of a born goal scorer. And if you're one of them, you're always going to do well in football. And luckily for us, she was part of the Scotland team, so she was a standout there and was just pretty much an easy pick for me at number one. Yeah, I was reading a, an interview with Vera Powell, who was a Scotland uh, coach in the kind of early 2010s-ish, um, and she'd actually said that Julie Fleet was probably the best header of the ball she'd ever seen um, on, on any level. Um, she also did, uh, and I was having a look, uh, Wikipedia seems to have taken our goals down at the moment, and I think it's because some of them you're not quite sure where they come from, because there was one game against an Isle of Man where she scored 16, um, in a, a 27-0 victory as part of a, a Kelt Cup tournament. Um, but yeah, you, you cannot argue with that volume of goals. I mean, for me, I, I remember Julie Fleet in, kind of in, in an Arsenal shirt just when I was kind of like getting my head around women's football as a, as a concept uh, in terms of this is something I can see and I can go and watch and I can try and understand. Um, but yeah, I mean, you cannot argue with that volume of goals. As you say, Callum, I think if she was in the Scotland side now, uh, it would be frightening to see the, the the number of goals she could score. Um, I think very good shout for number one. I, I'm not going to argue about where one, two, three, four, and five are in this. We've all got opinions on these. Um, I think everybody will have a slightly different one. I'm sure somebody will tell us that we're all wrong in this respect, and I look forward to hearing that feedback. Please let us know who your top five would be. Um, is there anybody that, like uh, Callum, I know you're keen to say everybody, um, but is there anybody that you were like, you really, really thought about it and it just, it just didn't quite make it in. I mean, one for me was Jane Ross, who actually had scored some pretty important goals as well over her time. Um, she had over 130 caps, 60 goals, like nearly 60 goals as well. Um, was it MD that just, like, you just maybe not yet? I know we talked about Aaron Cuthbert and Cameron Weir, but maybe even MD in the future that you maybe would include a couple of years down the line? Um, I mean, the future ones, there's quite a few because there, there's quite a few coming in at the moment. You know, your Lizzie Arnott's, um, Sam Kerr's, uh, maybe Jamie Lee Napier, um, those kind of players um, down the line potentially. 
um, could well feature. As I say, I think Lee Alexander could well be a top five player. Um, you know, if she gets, she won't ever get anywhere near Jenna Page that number. You know, she'll probably do well to get to 100 purely because of the competition. And you know, she is a bit older than the first team, but you know, a, a, a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, in terms of players, I mean, I don't know, I couldn't list about 50, but you know, um, you know, I mean, Jane Ross is a good one. I think you know, um, Leanne Crichton, Hayley Water mentioned her. Um, you know, I think you know, and your buzzword, um, Rachel Boyle could have perhaps been in there. You know, she obviously took time at the game, but certainly a fantastic player in the in Scotland domestically. Um, uh, it's a, is an excellent player. Um, you know. Nicola Doherty as well. Um, you know, there, there, there's a number of players you know that are in there that you could you could pick. Um, so you know that, that I, I could have I could have fifty and named fifty players. Um, so um, there, I think last I think there's no coincidence. I know we're all probably talking about it from uh, maybe the last ten to fifteen years perspective a little bit, and you know there's gonna be other players that are, there's gonna be other. Um, you know, people that might go, well, what about, you know, Sheila Begbie or Pauline Hamill, you know, um, players like that um, from, you know, Shelley Kerr even, you know, was, a, was an excellent player. We forget about that in our playing days. Um, so, you know, so many players um, you could have picked. So there's a, there's a big selection already. Yeah, and this is why I didn't. I thought as a joke I would say we we're going to pick our top 50 and then realised that, that 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 was not something that we needed to do um, because there is so many of them. But I mean, Campbell, just as a kind of final sum up, do you think we'll see uh, kind of Callum Sinti data already? Maybe if we do this in 10 years' time, do you think we'll still see those five names in there? Do you think any of them will, will last that next decade? Um, or do you think it'll be all changed again by then? Um, I mean, I think some of them will still be there or thereabouts, maybe sort of, maybe just a type of top five, but you look at some of these players that have obviously done so well to be there just now, but um, so you wouldn't you wouldn't vote against them being there, but like Callum's saying, some of the players we've got coming through, you look at how well the 19 side have done, and how well the current team is doing, even the likes of Erin Cuthbert, Caroline Wheeler, that we've mentioned, that are still young, coming like Jamie Laney, Perini Moore, any Moore, sorry, coming through, so there's definitely players there. That can come out. And I think that this in 10 years, you would definitely be hoping you would have more new names there in Scotland. The way the women's game is going, obviously, domestically, and then the, the league's improving. Now you see Glasgow City doing well in the Champions League, obviously getting two teams in. They have been there last season as well. So the game's definitely going in the right direction. And if it keeps going like that, then yeah, there's definitely going to be more girls coming up that are then going to step into the Scotland squad and will be, um, will be great players for the national side as well. So you would expect to see different names, but I wouldn't surprise to see some of these names still around as well because I think we're moving into a sort of sort of a great era we've had of Scottish women's football. Don't they? Don't they jinx it? But things are looking good, and hopefully they can stay that way and continue to have sort of a bright future for them. Yeah, I think that's a nice way to end it, Calm. That things are looking good, and yeah, I'll definitely keep staying that way. Um, Campbell, Calm, both. Thank you very much for coming on and um, chatting through our our kind of top fives. Putting your head above the parapet is always a daunting thing to do because you never quite know what people are going to say. So cheers very much for that. Um, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, remember, you can follow Leading the Line at Leading the Line on Twitter. If you like the podcast, please give it a, a wee review. Five stars mean more people see it, means more people are willing to listen. We can get some better guests on. Um, I am looking to try and get somebody 
on the pod who will talk about maybe some of the players that we haven't talked about um, from the era before we really got in and about women's football. So keep a wee ear out for that. And I've also got a, a podcast lined up with the current international and a couple of other things in the pipeline. So please have a, have a, have a wee subscribe and keep a wee track on things. But for now, thank you much for listening. Um, stay safe and we'll see you again soon. It doesn't make-